everybody. Welcome in to episode one of the pregame at Dogwood podcast, brand new sports podcast hosted by me, John, along with my buddy, Travis. And this kind of came about because Travis and I were texting big college baseball fans, big college Clemson baseball fans. And we were talking about, you know, a college baseball podcast or a Clemson sports podcast. And we were kind of just toss around the idea that maybe we'll just talk about everything, you know, with a little bit of a Clemson focus, we'll focus on, um, you know, baseball when it's baseball season, basketball, you know, right now in the heat of things. And I don't know, Travis, is that what you think? You know, just kind of talking sports with the boys. That's what I'm thinking, dude. I'm thinking we're kind of just whatever's topical that week. Uh, those will obviously be a little uh, Clemson perspective for most episodes, but uh, also want to note the name pregame at Dogwood. Uh, that was an intentional name. Uh, Mr. John Moyer himself here, our, our fearless host, used to live uh, at a house in downtown Clemson on Dogwood Street. Uh, and we probably said those three words pregame at Dogwood about 75 times Uh throughout our, our Clemson college career. So yeah, we thought pregame at Dogwood would be an appropriate name. Side note, the house has since been condemned, destroyed and replaced with a, uh, a house that has a little more structural integrity. Let's call it that. But uh, the spirit of Dogwood lives on through this podcast. There we go. Yeah. Things aren't like what they used to be. That's for sure. Um, all right, so we're going to get started with the starting five, the five biggest national stories, and we're recording this on Sunday, February 11th, Super Bowl Sunday, so this is probably going to come out after the big game, but we're going to give you our preview anyway. If we sound like idiots afterwards, get, it, get everything wrong, um, that's fine. So right now, we have... Kansas City is a two-point underdog against San Francisco. Travis, what do you think? Let's hear a final score, maybe a uh, MVP prediction. Dude, I got to say, I'm pretty surprised the the Chiefs are an underdog. Uh, I heard some stat that Mahomes is like 27-4 and or something against the spread as, as a dog. But uh, I'm going with the Chiefs, dude. I think it'll be low scoring. I'm thinking like 20-17-ish. to 17-ish. Uh, Chiefs have been winning ugly this year. I'm going to go with them. Also excited to see Taylor Swift in the box. Uh, excited to see Jason Kelsey in the box. Uh, it's going to be wild. Uh, yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs. Don't think it'll be a pretty game, uh, but but they'll get the job done. I'm personally so sick of the people who are sick of Taylor Swift. Oh like, who cares? I mean, they show celebrities at every game don't get it like yeah. her boyfriend is the best player besides Mahomes on the Chiefs like the a team that's in the midst of a dynasty of course they're going to show her she's the most popular person in the world yeah and like I don't know man I I'm so sick of the outrage I am also going with the Chiefs for me it comes down to quarterback and coach and I think it's Mahomes versus Purdy and it's, uh, you know, Andy Reed versus Shanahan. Give me the chiefs all day. I don't get it. I think, I think it's going to be 30 to 20 chiefs, yeah. but, uh, I also got to ask halftime show usher. 
what are you, big expectations? Huge expectations, bro. I'm thinking like 20 minutes nonstop, just segueing from song to song. Uh, dude, what was that song? Uh, was the song like Confessions, like part two or whatever that like he just did? Was that him? Oh, yeah. Uh, back in the 2000s, he just like added chapters. That was a nice song, obviously. Yeah. Um, dude, I'm interested who's the surprise. They always like bring someone out, right? As kind of like a surprise. Like Katy Perry brought out Missy Elliott one year, which was sick. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see who he brings out. I can see him bringing out like a little John or a, a Ludacris or something. <laughs> Those are good guesses. I had, I was thinking maybe Bieber, Usher and Biebs are tight. That would be cool. But you're right. It would be hilarious if he did. Yeah. And brought out Lil John and Ludacris. Just that would get the, like, anybody from like 29 to like 39 in the crowd watching so hyped. Yeah. When I think about that song, I think of being at like a middle school dance and it's like, <laughs> falling apart cafeteria at this public middle school and uh yeah dude everyone just going crazy for that song <laughs> yeah uh yeah so i'm stoked for for usher uh for sure all right now we got to move on so joel mb is hurt again he's out four weeks with a knee injury and the reason that this is topical is because this year, the NBA put in place the rule that you have to play 65 games or you're not eligible for postseason awards. A lot of guys Dude, have. That's a, a pretty high, like, that's a pretty high number uh, to meet. 65 out of 82 is pretty high. It is a pretty high number. And, you know, it. they want I, they want the players to play in the marquee games for TV purposes. And the reason this is a story is – the MVPs typically in the past three, four years come down to Jokic versus Embiid. And Jokic always plays in Philadelphia, and Embiid has not played in Denver since 2018. That's crazy. Biden wasn't even president the last time Embiid played in Denver. Right. That's insane. Uh, everybody's all jacked up for Embiid versus Jokic last Saturday in Colorado. It's the primetime ABC game, and 15 minutes before tip-off, they announce Embiid is not playing. He gets trolled online. He gets dragged through the media, skips another game, and then in his return, it hurts his knee. He's out four weeks. Do you think there was any peer pressure bullying from the online people? What do you think about the 65-game minimum? Like, Give me your thoughts on load management in the NBA. Dude, so I understand what the NBA is trying to do. I get it. Like, if you're ABC primetime, you want, you know, you want your your big guns out there. Uh, the 65 games, I feel like maybe a little too high. Uh, but again, I understand what they're trying to do. I wouldn't be surprised if they revisit that number or rule in the offseason. Uh, but with Embiid... Uh, he seems to have, have like a, a problem with injuries. Uh, I mean, he's so tall. I mean, I get it. You know, back problems, knee problems, it's going to come with the territory. Uh, but I feel like there probably was. I'm I'm wondering if there wasn't that 65-game rule, if he would have tried to come back and play so early. 
uh, or if you wouldn't have gotten some blowback on social media. Um, if that wasn't there, if you would have maybe, uh, you know, sat on the bench for a couple more games. Um, but I mean, it, it stinks. Uh, it stinks when you don't get the players that you pay to go see. And good Lord, like these TV contracts, they're paying so much money to broadcast these games. Uh, and so I can see why they would be upset that it's like, man, uh, we're getting this primetime matchup and it's not happening. Um, but yeah, load management, it's, 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 it's a, that's a tricky one around to get around. Uh, Cause you don't want to dictate to the coaches who they can and can't play, you know? Yeah. And so I think that, another like weird wrinkle in this story is the fact that there's become this Jokic and bead rivalry. That's not even between the players anymore. It's between the right. faces and it's between like the media where both players have been outspoken being like, yeah, like I respect the other dude's game. Like he's awesome. And the fans can't accept that. Like, Sixers fans constantly talk about how Embiid or how Embiid is better than Jokic. He's like got better numbers, all around a better player. And Nuggets fans constantly are talking about how Embiid chokes in the playoffs and how Jokic has a ring. And this matchup has gotten like so blown out of proportion by the fan base that I am also curious, you know, that if it wasn't the Nuggets and he was just sitting out against another team, if it matters. And it's just, it's, it's crazy to me that fans, and I mean, we see this in every single sport, they can take it way too far. And it's just like, they're making it about themselves, not about the players. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They really, they want this to be like a, a head to head rivalry. It kind of reminds me in the two thousands when everyone wanted Kobe and LeBron to play in the finals. Uh, but like we never got that in the finals one year the Orlando Magic shout out messed that up but um, yeah it's like they wanted the Kobe LeBron they wanted the Jokic uh, Embiid but it's like man the outside force is just not letting it happen <laughs> yeah all right well speaking of star power last weekend we had the NHL all-star game which I think was pretty sick like I know that a lot of people don't like the three-on-three format but I, I dig it. Opens up the game. A lot of scoring. It was Toronto, so there were stars everywhere. Uh, people were coming out of the woodwork. But the for me, the highlight of the weekend was the NHL skills competition on Friday night. And they added the $1 million bonus to the player that wins it. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on should there be one did you think that it upped the intensity? Cause I did into the NBA and the pro bowl and, you know, the dunk contest, the home run derby, like there's been some talk about, it doesn't really mean what it used to does putting, you know, cash prize up there make sense. I feel like that's the only way to incentivize players to, to play hard. Right. Cause it's like, yeah. In terms of like the big picture, you know, it's not not that important. I think the three on three is freaking awesome. I watched it and it's so wide open. It's just like a track meet back and forth. It's absolutely a, a thrill to watch. Um, but I like the prize, dude. I think uh, the NFL, they're still trying to figure out what works and what doesn't with the Pro Bowl stuff. Uh, NBA All-Star Weekend is just kind of like whatever at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, look, they're being proactive about it. 
I like that. I like the cash incentive. I think it works. Remember when Blake Griffin jumped over a Kia? Dude. Yeah. Like, and just from his own creativity and like his own initiative. And I'm like, man, that's what we, we need. These guys. I'll never forget when we were watching the slam dunk contest and one of our buddies, Sam, he was like, I got to watch this freaking Kansas basketball game in early February that has no meaning at all. And it was just a battle going back and forth on the TV, dude. But yeah, man, the dunk contest used to be like, can't miss TV. I mean, Vince Carter put his entire arm in the rim. I yeah. like, remember all those years LeBron was like, next year I'm going to be in it. <laughs> yeah, he, were, he robbed us of it. He kept saying like next year and next year and he never did it. Uh, and I'm like, man, and, and you know, he's not going to do it now. But uh, yeah, I'm sad we didn't get him at least one time. It's like, dude, we don't care if you win or lose. Like, we just want you to be in it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, that's the thing that I think the NHL figured out. The NHL just by incentivizing these players, like they had the finals with basically Connor McDavid and Kale McCarr. And those are the two probably most talented dudes. Mm. And it was electric. Like McDavid was going through the obstacle course like a madman. His skates were on fire. He was taking it seriously. You could tell that in the past, like these guys, you know, they had their helmets off. They probably were a little bit buzzed, you know, a little, little drinking like the night before or, or, you know, before the event, they were taking it seriously. And I mean, like, for instance, there are only four people in the dunk contest this year. Jalen Brown, Jame Jaquez. There's only four people in it. And Jacob Toppin. Yeah, see, that that's yeah, see, that's a problem. Cause like with with what you described in the NFL, McDavid and McCarr, McDavid, one of the most skilled guys with the puck, McCarr is like the fastest skater I've ever seen. Uh, so you get your like stars up there, but like this dunk contest, like I know Jalen Brown's a good player, but I didn't know that he was like known for dunking. <laughs> I mean, like, give me Aaron Gordon, give me Ja. Like John Morant, I mean, give me somebody with a little bit of cachet, a little bit of hype. I mean, Michael Jordan used to do this. Yeah. Like it used to mean something. It used to be, I don't know. I think the NBA has to do something. They have to because the game already has become a joke. The all-star game itself. Like, yeah. you know, it's you're getting like a 170 to 180 score. Personally, I I think the NBA has to do something to bring a little bit of magic back to All Star Weekend. I don't even know where the game is next weekend. Like, I don't either. I don't either. Um, and it's like I've heard the excuse: "Well, all the good dunks have been done before. You can't do anything original." I'm like, there are so many objects in this world that you could just place there and jump over. You there? I don't want to hear people are out of ideas, dude. You could drive. You could put like a mobile home under the basket or something or use a trampoline. I don't know. There's plenty of ideas out there. You just got to find them. <laughs> light the rim on fire. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you could light the rim on fire. I mean, I mean, yeah, you could incorporate like cheerleaders or team managers. I mean, there's so many things you can do. Uh, or just run it back. Everybody wants to see somebody jump from the free throw line. Right. But yeah. And I've I've seen them do that in previous years where someone will put on like a, a retro Toronto Raptors Vince Carter jersey and then like replicate the you know the dunk putting the elbow in the in the rim and I'm like 
that's that's cool. Like, dude, you can do the same ones over again. We're not gonna not gonna penalize you for it. Yeah, no one's ever gonna get tired of watching someone jump over a car. It's sick. Yeah, like it can be a Kia, like Blake Griffin, or yeah, I mean, can you put a Chevy down there? Who cares? Like, just I mean, there's there's so many things you can do, and I don't know. It kind of seems like NBA kind of kind of just phones it in the All Star Weekend now, um, but you know. There, there's I want I would like to see them revive it. I think the way the NHL did it with the cash with the cash prize uh, was a step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of being on the national stage, the international stage here, I want to talk to you about the World Cup. They released their host cities. Uh, the World Cup final will be in New Jersey. Dude, I saw that at the Meadowlands, right? The Meadowlands. <laughs> What did you think? Like, all right, quickly, the cities that got it in uh, the U.S., Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, L.A., Miami, Jersey, Philly, San Francisco, and Seattle. They'll all host at least one game. Uh, Multiple countries, right? Are they doing it not just in the U.S., but in North America? Yeah, so Mexico has Guadalajara. Mexico City and Monterey hosting, and then Toronto and Vancouver also have games. So it's all three of the uh, North American countries. It's kind of weird. That's kind of weird how they're doing that, right? Usually it's just in one country, right? Yeah, it is. I think they, I think they've done it before in multiple countries, but I think this is just like a way to get it over here, where yeah. you know. You incorporate Mexico, or maybe they care a little bit more. Um, are they adding more teams too? To the field? I think they are. Yeah, they are. But what do you think about Jersey being the spot in the final? I don't know if you've seen these uh, memes or gifs or whatever on social media, but there's so many good ones going around about like this. It's like a, a scene of someone from England showing up to New Jersey, looking around and being like, what the hell did I get myself into? It's like, yeah, they'll look, yeah, they'll just come over and they'll be like, wait, the stadium's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's going to be electric. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I personally, like I would have put it somewhere else, maybe like a better stadium. Atlanta is a pretty sick stadium. Uh, why not put it in LA at their do SoFi stadium or Vegas? It, it doesn't really make sense to me, but uh, I don't know. Uh, didn't Dallas make a, make a, a play for the final in Jerry world. Uh, yeah. Also doubt that, that stadium's incredible. Right. That would have been cool. Yeah. The Benz in Atlanta would have been cool. The SoFi stadium. Yeah. It's just weird. How they have all these, uh, new stadiums and i feel like a lot of them probably have retractable roofs at this point but um it's weird that they decided on uh the meadowlands in new jersey yeah that's that's a mystery to me uh i don't know if there's some kickbacks going on or what with that one (laughs) probably a little kickback action um speaking of kickback action i want to ask you about the PGA versus live. It seems like PGA is just bleeding players now to the live uh, circuit. What, like when it first came about, all these live guys were getting so much shit, like so much. 
everybody was calling them, you know, basically like terrorists, sympathists, uh, yeah, sympathizers. Yeah. Like at this point, well, what does it mean if you stay on the PGA tour? Like, do you even care? Didn't, weren't they going to like merge leagues or something? Uh, did that fall apart? It fell apart, but they're probably still going to try. Yeah. Um, Dude, yeah. All I know is that the only thing I've seen from the the waste management open this weekend is just that everyone in the crowd is getting completely bombed. Dude, I saw a dude take a shirt off and like dive into a bunker, fleeing a security guard. So the fans are still doing their thing. Uh, but yeah, as far as like the actual golfers, I have a hard time keeping up with who's playing where. Yeah. It's it sucks because like you want you know the best players to all be in one spot and now you have to like flip back and forth between CVS and like the CW to find you know live. I will say like I like the live format. I think the fifty four holes three days makes it a little bit more fun. Um, I like the fact that there are teams. I think it's funny like the team names are so bad. Like the logos are so bad. If they had a, anybody with like a little bit of sense of branding, they could probably be pretty sick, but they're just so dorky, like the crushers and whatnot. It's just so bad. The four aces, even though there's like three guys on the team, but it, I don't know. I, I, I want to like live, but it's hard when you're right that the players aren't in the same spot. The, I wanted to ask you about the waste management open though. So I saw that uh, they had to cut alcohol sales yesterday and they stopped letting people in because it was overcrowded. Like, is this good for golf, bad for golf? Like, apparently, they're, the PGA is telling them they got to, like, get their act together. They're not coming back next year. Dude, I saw a video of, of, guy, of a guy in one of the beer tents and he's just like – He's, he's, he's just, he's looking down and he's just out of it. Uh, you can tell he's just, he's, he's taking advantage of that beer tent. Um, man, I don't know. The PGA has got, they got to lighten up, dude, because I went to a PGA event last March in Austin, Texas. Uh, and people, dude, people get rowdy there. They just drink and nonstop. And it, I mean, it's, it's a great time. Uh, <laughs> and with social media, you get to see the good time everywhere now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude. It seems like a wild time out there. Seems like a great time to, to be in the crowd. I don't know how like the actual quality of golf is, but uh I feel like PGA, you gotta you gotta let people have fun, you know, in today's day and age. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean they're they're giving beers out in college stadiums now, like everything's you know, everything's lightening up a little bit. So I mean, shout out to our friend Chris who famously got his phone taken away at a PGA tour event. Like I, I just don't think that plays anymore when there's like guys shirtless diving in the bunkers, like some, yeah. some guy with the phone is the least of your worries. That, that's actually amazing that he had his phone taken away. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but it's like, yeah, you turn on a golf tournament now and yeah, there's guys running around shirtless, running from security. Uh, there's dudes passing out in beer tents. Uh, I just think it's hilarious. Everybody, Chris had his freaking cell phone taken. <laughs> it's like almost becoming a little NASCAR-esque because yeah. 
you know, when you, these other sporting events, they're like timed, you know, golf goes on forever. These tournaments go on so long and they're not like cutting you off at like the 15th hole or whatever. I don't know. I see how it could get dangerous. Yeah. Well, in a, a lot of the ways they do it is you'll pay like what we did. It was for a bachelor party. We paid like, uh, like 200 bucks to get in the beer tent and then you go, uh, and a lot of it, like you just pay like up front, and a lot of it is like all you can drink once you get there. Uh, and, and so cool. when people show up, they're like, "I got to get my money's worth and drink as much as I can because I paid this all this up front, dude." So that was definitely our approach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Maybe they could stop making people pay up front. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, PGA get more people involved. Let's democratize the sport a little bit. <laughs> All right, there you go. So those are the big five stories. Um, now we're going to take it to a little bit of a Clemson corner. Huge weekend for the Tigers. This team, they, for the second time in history, went on the road, Chapel Hill, Tuesday night. They followed that up with a win in the Carrier Dome on Saturday. What do you, what do you make of where... Brad Brownell's Clemson Tigers are at 16 and seven overall six and six in the ACC. Dude, I have no idea what to make of this Brad Brownell team, which is the same thing I say every year. Uh, Holy smokes. Totally expecting us to to blow it against Syracuse yesterday. Glad we hung on. Uh, Still can't believe we basically won in Chapel Hill wire to wire. We'll probably never see that again in our lifetimes. Um, but I mean, they they seem to be in a good position now. I, I had a question here: is is Brad is he the net god now? I still don't understand how net works. But last year he was not the net god, but this year, with the far worse ACC record, uh, our net standings are incredible. Yeah, we're up to twenty nine in the net rankings i also don't really understand how it works i know that our south carolina win keeps looking better and better um i think brad came out last year after not getting the bid to the tournament despite potentially like one of his best ACC seasons because of the weak non-conference. And he lit the non-conference on fire this year. UAB is a tournament team. Boise was a tournament team. Alabama last year, huge team. Uh, South Carolina, now they're top 15. TCU, Memphis. He really went out and got like the hardest schedule possible. And it's paying off because, yes, right now 29th despite – uh, 500 record in the league play it's it's pretty phenomenal and like i said some of those wins just keep looking better and better and you know you got a top 10 win on the road in north carolina my thing is it, this is just i mean the roller coaster is ridiculous you start the season nine and one and then january 3rd through the 10th they lose three straight they get blown out by Miami, lose by 10 at home, North Carolina, blown out Virginia Tech. And they win against BC, overtime loss against Georgia Tech. Should have had that Duke game at Cameron. That 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 late call still upsets me. 
Oh yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. We get a like a little bit of a get right win against Florida State, and then national TV Saturday, Cameron Indoor. I think we were like a four or five point underdog. Everybody's like, "Wow!" Like Clemson getting a little bit of respect. Had that game won? Had that game won? The refs take it away from us multiple times. Lose by one. Struggle against Louisville. Almost a disaster. That was concerning. The Louisville game was concerning. (laughs) Then a disgusting loss against Virginia by one point again. And you think the wheels are coming off, right? Yeah. Not so fast. This coach, anytime his back's against the wall, pretty much only when his back's against the wall, he delivers. We get the huge win at North Carolina, Syracuse. Now, this week, we've got Miami and NC State both at home, both very winnable games. Like, we could be looking at potentially moving into like a six, five seed projected in the tournament. Yeah, the schedule, I would say, sets up nicely for us down the stretch. Uh, but with these games, yeah, you just never know. It's such a roller coaster with Brownell. Um, but yeah, man, when he when, he, when his back is up against the wall, he is he's Kirk Ferentz from Iowa. Kirk Ferentz knows every third or fourth year I gotta win ten games to uh, to hang around a year a little longer. Uh, and Brownell essentially does the equivalent of that uh, every three or four years. And I mean, gosh, you go to Chapel Hill, be the top five UNC team, go to Syracuse and win. I mean, those are quality road wins. But the thing, yeah, you got to win these games at home down the stretch uh, because at Georgia Tech, at Notre Dame, at Wake Forest, conference road games just terrify me. So you have to win these games at home. Oh, 100%. I think that I was looking at uh, because you brought up net and the whole quad one, two, three, four. The only quad one game we have left is the last game of the year at Wake Forest. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of landmines coming up that we really have to avoid. And that's kind of been Brad's MO over the years is stepping on those landmines. You know, we this weekend they've got NC State as a quad three game. Like you can't lose that. It you know, you'll just drop off the face of the earth. So like we really, really have to take advantage of winning these games especially the home games man nc state's a quad three game this year i thought they were better than that nah they're not looking that good man but uh all right let's talk about chase hunter (laughs) he draws the ire of a lot of clemson fans i think he's kind of electric i like him with the ball in his hands he he's a strange player. Uh, me and my dad went to go watch Clemson play in Tallahassee last January, not this past year, but in January twenty three. Uh, and I saw him in person. He had like twenty five points. He hit like the game winning shot and free throw. Um, he's just, it's a yeah, it's a weird. He's a weird player. Like some nights he looks like a first team All ACC point guard, and then some nights he doesn't. Uh, he is getting a lot of heat. From the Clemson fans, I thought he played pretty well yesterday. Um, you know, you know, double digit points, had a good amount of assists. Uh, you know, limited the turnovers around. Although everyone else turned it over, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think I don't know, man. He he is he is a frustrating player in that sense. I will admit. My guy that uh, every Clemson fan seems to love, they, he he's just shoved it in my face the past two games. Is Joe Girard? I thought that guy was kind of a little bit of a weak link on this team. He's kind of like a at home only three point shooter only. He's been making some plays. You know, he sealed the game with free throws yesterday. Got his two thousandth point in his uh, career. What do you, all right, I got to ask you this because he said something that was like kind of weird where he was like, I played four years at Syracuse. After this season, I'm always going to be a Syracuse fan. Like he just straight up admitted that he's like a one-year mercenary. How, do you, how does that sit as a Clemson fan with you? Uh, as a Clemson basketball fan, I'm okay with it. I guess I'm just still confused why he chose to come to Clemson for one year. Uh, with you know what I mean? Like, why? I don't know. Like, why didn't he stay at Syracuse? Or why didn't he go to like you know a more traditional basketball school? I guess Brownell just has the he's the transfer portal god. I don't know. Um, but I'm cool with it because he is. I mean, he's a one-year dude. We'll probably never see him again back on campus uh, unless, you know, we win a, a championship this year and we have a reunion or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm, I guess I'm fine with him with him saying that. I was impressed of his game yesterday. That's a lot of pressure going back, and he, he played fairly well. Yeah, he did. He, uh, he definitely stepped up. All right, so this year – Ian Shefflin has been the most improved player by far. He's averaging almost a double-double. P.J. Hall obviously has been, you know, the go-to player all year for the past two years. They say that you got to, like, win with guard play in March. Can going through two bigs, like, could that be a, a recipe for success going forward? And how far can this team go? Dude, I've been thinking about that exact question the past couple of days, actually, because I'm like, man, Shefflin and Hall, the Bash brothers down there, they might be the best, like, one-two punch in the post in the country. Uh, so, you know, I feel good about that. But with the tournament and, you know, foul trouble and everything, could be dicey. We need We need the Chase Hunters. Uh, of the world to be consistent in the tournament because I think we can win going through Paul and Shefflin uh, but we're still gonna have to make threes and not turn the ball over like 25 times like we did yesterday (laughs) what is this team for the rest of the season their ceiling and their floor I think ceiling I think they could snag a five seed in the tournament, the NCAA tournament, if they finish strong. How far can they go? I think they could be a Sweet 16 team. Okay. They could be a second weekend team if, you know, they get the right draw uh, and, you know, stay out of foul trouble down low. Um, But the thing, yeah, the thing about this Brownell team is it's, you know, middle of February – and we still, we still don't really know what this team is, you know? <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think that their ceiling is 
or I'm going to say the floor is they're out of the tournament day one. Um, the ceiling, I'm going to go Elite Eight because I think they've proven that they, and this is the most frustrating thing if you're a fan of any team, they play to the level of their competition. Yeah, And that is 100% true. You can see the way that they were jacked up to play at Duke, at North Carolina. They took those teams that are top 10 teams down to the wire. And then they'll be gross at home against Louisville. Or, you know, they'll let themselves get into like a rock fight against Virginia. It's, they, they'll, they will play the other team's game. And so if they want to rise up, I could see them taking out, you know, if we were a six seed or something like that, taking out a three seed and then a two seed or something like that uh, in the tournament. But I could also see them being that 5-12 matchup and the 12 just rolls over them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's tough to call. The ceiling is high, but the floor is also pretty low. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's tough to like forecast how they're gonna do. I think we'll learn a lot this week with two home games. You win those two games at home that you're supposed to win, then I think we can realistically start thinking, you know, five, six seed, maybe even a four. Um, but yeah, the 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 things that killed us last year were the bad losses. So yeah, I mean, at, at, at NC State at home, quad three, it's like you can't drop that one. You got to win those those lower quad games. Now, I think for the fan base, the fan base is, you know, they can't be that upset right now. Last week was as good a week as you're going to get. You won at UNC and at Syracuse. Yeah. You got to ride the momentum. You have to win convincingly these two games. You got to win at home and you, you they can't be ugly. You got to take care of business. Yeah. Dude, can you, can you imagine? We were so close to having a Clemson basketball season where we won at Chapel Hill and won at Cameron Indoor Stadium in the same year. We were so close to having that happening. <laughs> That's unbelievable. It and goes to my point. Yeah, and you look, and yeah, we're six and six in the league with that. It's like, no, man, if we're, if we're those wins, those two wins that we should have had, it's like, man, we should have a better league record. <laughs> it goes back to my point. We played to the level of the competition. We yeah. lost. To a terrible Georgia Tech team. God, yeah, yeah. Like, this should be the most magical season of all time. Like, it should be. They destroyed the Gamecocks, who were all of a sudden a top 15 team. And then we should have won at Duke, and we did win at UNC. And we're still being like, are they any good? We don't really know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. I heard Lenardi, uh, they had Lenardi on the broadcast yesterday asking him about you know, uh, Clemson's tournament chances. And he, dude, he said something that surprised me. He was like, conference record is not a data point when you're evaluating teams. And I'm like, what? And even the announcers were like, well, that's, it should be a data point, but I guess it's not. Uh, and so I'm like, man, like last year when you go 14 and six in the ACC, like, I guess they just didn't take that into consideration at all. But I'm like, in what world is conference record? Like not, uh, a major criteria for these tournament teams i have no idea but i'm glad you like said something about that because i was looking at these net ratings 
And but there's some teams ahead of us that I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like Wisconsin is 16 and eight. They're 21st. Uh, Kentucky is 16 and seven. They're 25th. Like Utah state is 27th with five losses. It doesn't make any sense that they're, there are teams with tons of losses. Alabama is 17 and seven and lost to Clemson and they're fifth. Yeah. Yeah. That's strange. So like the net rankings and how they evaluate these teams, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And yeah, I mean, we were talking whenever we won at Chapel Hill, I was like, dude, we're going to shoot up like 15 spots in the net. And we only moved up like five or six spots. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, But I think a strong finish for this team and, you know, it'll be an exciting March. This is hilarious because like a week ago today, I would have been saying that we would be in the NIT. Hey, let's gear up for a run. Life with Brownell is always interesting. (laughs) I got to ask you another question. Would you rather go through a basketball season with Brownell where you know you're going to get one possession losses, but you're also going to get these ridiculous wins where like you're up 15 at Chapel Hill. Then you let them come all the way back and tie the game. You're up a ton yesterday. You let them come back and tie the game. You get these moments of glory though. Would you give that up for like an Oliver Purnell season where you just know you're going to be in the tournament and it's just going to be like whatever every year? That's a good question. I got to say, man, I've come full circle on Brownell and I like the roller coaster, man. It, he keeps, he keeps it interesting. Uh, he, I used to, you know, I look at Clemson basketball, it gets me to Clemson baseball, you know, middle to late February and uh, Brownell always makes it interesting. I'll give him that. It's never boring. It never, you, you have to tune in because yeah you know something stupid's going to happen. Yeah. All right, but speaking of, next Friday, opening day, Pumped. baseball season. Last year, Tigers starting out looking like an absolute train wreck of a team. They turn it around. They win the ACC. They get the national seed. They lose at home once again in the regional what does the 24 season look like for Clemson baseball? Yeah. Good first year in Eric Backage's initial season. Um, I was at the regional last year, watched us lose to Tennessee in 14. I got to say, right when that bracket came out, uh, I was like, damn it. They gave us by far the best two seed. Uh, so they didn't help us out with the draw going against that Tennessee pitching, but Nevertheless, I think this year the expectation is hosting another home regional uh, and win- winning a home regional uh, this year. That's that's the expectation. Wake Forest is going to be a, a force again in the ACC, um, but I think I think Clemson could finish number two uh, in in the standings in the ACC. So I'm excited. I think expectations are high. All right, tell me a little bit about the roster this year, the makeup of the roster. Everybody knows about the outfielders, Canarella and Taylor. 
who else do we need to be on the lookout for? So, Backich worked his magic again, hit the portal, brought in a couple couple upperclassmen. Uh, Jimmy Overtop brought him in from Michigan. He's a catcher slash first baseman, so I think he'll help there. Uh, brought in, I think he brought in a transfer from Richmond, uh, who might start in the outfield. Uh, the the infield is pretty wide open, uh, minus Blake Wright. Uh, so there'll be some freshmen coming in, some transfers competing for spots there. The bullpen this year, Moyer. The bullpen is the strength. We basically got everyone back uh, in the bullpen. So I think the strength this year will be starting pitchers give us five innings, uh, and then we'll toss it off to the bullpen. Uh, so I think. Yeah, I think the strength of this team is the bullpen. Starting pitching, we'll have to figure that out. You know, Austin Gordon will be the Friday guy. Uh, I think Tristan Smith might be might be a Saturday Sunday guy. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how the offense, the lineup looks because you know what you're going to get in the outfield. Uh, but you know, we lost some big bats with with Engel and and, and Grice and Riley Bertram. So uh, Can tough, this- tough series to open it up too. Tough series. Xavier made the tournament last year. They finished in the RPI top 40. Um, they're no joke. Uh, and then we actually don't play a game outside the state of North Carolina until March 15th. So that's an entire month. I want to know how bad does it piss you off that the quote unquote neutral site game is in Columbia on uh march 2nd the saturday game against south carolina drives me absolutely nuts uh it's like look i know greenville isn't like equidistant between columbia and clemson but it's more equidistant than having the game in columbia um plus the greenville drive that's a great stadium it's a great atmosphere you split it down the middle and it's always 50 50 it was an awesome atmosphere uh went to that game twice and people really don't realize a lot of people, if they don't have a college baseball team, they don't realize how much fun it can be. And a lot of people don't realize how really brutal that rivalry Clemson, South Carolina baseball is. It means a lot. And there's something special about having that Friday night game at home or on the road that neutral site game on Saturday and then the Homer road Sunday afternoon game. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, the, those three days in March mean a lot to the fan base. Like yep. they mean a lot to the fan base and having that Greenville game. I thought it was awesome. Uh, it, I would even say kick it to kick it to Charleston. I know it doesn't make sense from a, from a travel standpoint, but at least different alumni bases, different, you know, fan bases are going to get to see this game because let's be, let's be real. Like college stadiums are, they're small compared to a lot of stadiums. It's probably hard to get tickets to a Friday night home game or, or a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon home game. Like the neutral site game is easier for a lot of these fans to get to and it's a fun atmosphere so yeah it's it's a little disappointing it's at the fireflies stadium that's kind of a lame name for a team anyway the columbia fireflies (laughs) but uh 
I don't know. I'd, uh, so this team, like, are we expecting a power? Like, are, are these guys going to hit bombs or are we going back to Jack Leggett small ball? I think it's going to be more Leggett small ball. They're, we're going to be active on the base paths. Cam, Will Taylor, uh, some of these transfers that he brought in. Uh, we're going to be stealing bases. I don't know if it'll be as much power as last year without Grice and Engel. Um, but I think it'll be more, you know, base knocks, get them in, get them on, get them over, get them home type deal. Um, but I'm interested to see where the power comes from because, you know, Taylor and Cam, they can pop one, you know, every now and then, but that's not what, that's not their, not what they're known for, you know? Um, so interested to see how the power, the power bats come along, but I think it'll be more speed, athleticism, uh, small ball approach, at least at the beginning. I actually saw that uh, one publication had Cam Canarella as the number one college prospect for next year's draft, the 2025 draft. So that'll be exciting to see him in the outfield next Friday. Xavier, four o'clock. We'll be tuning in. What else do you have for the people? Anything else? Dear, we're on this roller coaster with Brownell. Let's ride it out. Let's win these two games at home. We got baseball next week. I'm sure we'll do a nice recap of that series. Uh, and we're on to Taylor Swift tonight for the Super Bowl. We're on to Swift and Usher tonight. That's the real battle is yeah. who gets more airtime, Taylor Swift or Usher. Uh, one last thing is I think we're going to want to do call-ins. So we're going to have a phone number that we will release at a later date for you guys to call in with questions. We'll play your voicemail on the air and we'll react live to it. And uh, very excited about the podcast you know, hope you guys like it and, uh, you know, we'll see you next week. Oh yeah. All right, boys. We will see you boys and girls. We will see you all next week. There we go.